Hi everyone, uh, welcome to Nine House for Musical. Today I'm being joined by Mr. Shane, a very, very good friend of mine from Rez, who like, I never expected to actually be like good friends with you. Same, same, same. But I mean like, okay, so a bit of context. We went to the same high school, Alpmakar College. College Boer. College Boer. <laughs> oh, that was such a great time, but also such a weird time. I mean like, I don't think the school is for everyone. But no. um, it's definitely what you make of it and the friends you make. And I feel like it's generally um, a very open and like um, adaptive space. Why is your leg shaking so much? Because I have a lot of caffeine. Oh, you have a lot of... Yeah, you I just drank like a I've whole monster there. been drinking caffeine. And you've got a cup of coffee. And a cup of coffee. I'm actually going to make Shane, how are you going to sleep tonight? Um, hopefully I won't because I have a lot of work to do and mm. I haven't been. <laughs> now you're doing a podcast with me. Now I'm doing a podcast with you. It happens. Like, um, it I normally have to do a lot of work and then mm-hmm. Rita comes into my room and then talking a bunch of shit, actually. And I do talk a lot yeah. of shit, but that's why I have a podcast. <laughs> so it doesn't really matter. But like, I want to go back to Hulk McCall because you that place was insane for me. Yeah, we just had a whole conversation sharing, sharing the tea and the, and the old stories from the memories. Wow, that school is fantastic. <laughs> Shane, do you have any stories that, like from Hulk McCall that like, sort of sum up your experience? Some of my experience? Hectic. I don't know. Um, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you mine. Yeah, tell me yours. I'll think about mine. So it was the journey, the journey where all the shit went down. Mm. And so, uh, people who don't know, that's like a grade 11 tour where all the grade 11s on their way to matric go on this walk. A fucking yeah. far, Very walk. far walk. It's not even just, just I mean, a walk. We walk literally like, I, th- I think in the one day, we walk like 20 kilometers on like loose sand. And they lied to us. Like our, our principal was like, I don't know, we're probably going to walk like 7, 10 Ks maybe. And like, a twi- like 23 Ks later, we arrive at our destination. Can I tell you what the lies he told us? What? He told us, I'm probably going to be the slowest walker here. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, this man just fucks off when he hits the sand. Literally. But our principal has the biggest calves you've seen in your life. Cars. Like... You can't <laughs> physically imagine. He looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but only from the bottom down. He's 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 like he's German as well, so mm. it, it, it fits well into it the narrative. Well. <laughs> yeah, you're like he's like I'm probably going to be the slowest walker. He hits the sand, and me and my friends were like, no, we're gonna try and keep up, bro. We didn't, we couldn't make it past two kilometers, and then we just started falling back and back and back, and then. Every now and again, we're like, okay, cool. We need to catch up again. And we but jog a bit. But he's been walking in his whole life. Like, he travels a lot. Like, he does this every year. But you see, he goes on the journey. Oh, and the overseas tour. And the overseas tour. Like, this man travels. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you got... Uh, you went and helped Makar then. But last year during lockdown, did yeah. you hear that he got, like, stuck in Myanmar? He actually sent me a, um, um, a DM on Facebook. <laughs> I, I wasn't oh, ex- Papa Kai. Papa Kai. I wasn't expecting it. It was really cute, actually. Um... He sent me a DM asking me um, how I was and explaining his situation. I was like, oh, no, cool. Like, you know. I'm sorry to hear about your predicament, Munir Kini. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, no, that was... Uh, we all, everyone was like, what were you thinking? Because it was like in the beginning stage of the pandemic. Mm. And this man decides, now I'm just going on a brief <coughs> family trip to Myanmar. Yeah. Shane, do you know where Myanmar is? Um, I have a general direction of Myanmar. I love the but I haven't really heard of the country before. I heard he was stuck in it. Yeah, so exactly. Like, I never knew it existed until he got stuck there. And then we were like, 
oh my gosh, our <laughs> principal is stuck. And we were like in online school and you need the principal the most. Yeah. And he's sitting there in Myanmar and he's like, he, I remember how pissed off the teachers were with like all the meetings that they had to sit through. Yeah. And then like every afternoon after all the classes, they sign him to a Zoom meeting and then yeah. Kenneth sits there and he's like, okay, here is what needs to be here, here is what needs to be here, this is what needs to happen. And then we're like, yeah, man, Kenneth, yeah, Kenneth, yeah, Kenneth. Yeah, but my, that man is efficient. Yo, that man, that man is German efficiency Yo. like you've never seen before. The embodiments of German efficiency, like love him or hate him, but he gets shit done. Bruh, like how he just sort of <coughs> revamped that school because mm. when he was there, there was like 200 people, 200 kids in that school, yeah. right? Apparently in grade, no, not even, I don't think it was 200 even, like apparently in grade 8, they were like, I don't know, not not 10 people. Yeah, no, it was ridiculous how like few people were in the school. And then this man pitches up. And the day that I left matric, and keep in mind, he was only there for like 14 years. Yeah. By the day I left matric, there was almost 1,500 people in that school. And like he keeps adding them. Like every year, apparently the school's overpopulated and we can't have more tr- um, like have more students. But yeah, like we, we were supposed to be the biggest grade. We yeah. were the first grade over 200. And everyone's like, no, we can't have this. We can't have this. We okay, can't I have, have to this. correct you there. We were actually 216. Oh, no. Mm. Or okay. something like that. And please don't um, quote me on that, but it was over 200. Yeah, <laughs> but we, we f- matriculated with 215, I yeah. think, Hectic. if I'm correct. But we were like the biggest grade mm. ever. And everyone's like, no, we can't have this. You're not going to get the same quality Huge education. Increasing. The next year after us, there's 20 more kids in the school. The year after them, 20 more mm. kids. Every year, it just gets 20 more, 20 more. <coughs> but where do you stop? Because there's only a limited amount of space now. Yeah, and they've basically built up the entire place. Like they're going to have to start building up. And I won't be surprised if they start doing that. Like That's something Klaus would do. Like they're, they're at, the, at like the rugby field, you know that like big uh, open space yeah, where yeah, they yeah, have yeah. the like the discus and yeah. the gewigstoot. They'll what? probably stop Shot building put. there. There we go. Start building there. Wow. And I was like in the middle of Johannesburg, like the CBD. So it's not like you, you can't can really like expand or something. I mean, we literally have to like go to Vitz to practice to rugby. practice rugby and like athletics and stuff because there's literally no space there at isn't. our school. You can't multitask. Oh, you oh no, you can multitask now. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you need to help. You need to multitask. <laughs> now, like I think that's actually one thing like that we learn well in that school. Like. You can love the school or hate the school, but you learn how to do shit and you learn like a lot of valuable life like lessons that I'm you wouldn't necessarily learn somewhere else. I'm not going to like lie now, but university has been such a breeze for me because I think I was in Hope Yeah. Like matric in grade 11 felt so much more intense mm. than this does. I agree. Like when I, s- when I started engineering, um, I'm second year now, and when I started engineering, I thought it was going to be hectic from the start. And mm-hmm. to be very honest, my first semester, I was like, "Is this is this it? Is this it?" Like I was, I was very underwhelmed by the um, amount of work and difficulty of work we were getting. You know what? It, like, I wouldn't say I've been cruising. Mm. Yeah, but no, yeah, it's not cruising, but but it definitely has not been to the level that I thought yeah. university mm. like would be. But it bites your heart. It bites your heart, yeah. Because um, after a while, it sort of gets... Uh, in the second semester, yo. the second semester was hectic um, in first year. And then when I came to second year, I was, I was not ready because my whole first year was basically online and we I, I didn't really learn how to write cheat, exams in cheat, person. Cheat, cheat, well, cheat, cheat, cheat. I can neither confirm... Nor deny. <laughs> nor deny that, uh, that statement. Um, but the fact is, I do, did not know or still do not know how to write an exam in person like 
effectively, and that has shown in my first exams in second year. Do all those A ones, eh? I passed everything, so I'm quite thankful about that. Some have been quite scarcely, but Came I passed. Too late. Too late. Yeah, but you second year, so obviously your work's a lot more difficult, and like you're moving into the more specialized, specialized field. Yeah. I mean, everything now is so general. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Engi- engineering first is is actually really shit. I'm not gonna lie. Um, because you you learn what everyone has to learn at at a basis, but mm-hmm. it's most of your subjects you aren't even interested in. Yeah. So it's it's really it's harder to find the motivation to study in the first place. Yeah. But I mean, you are you like enjoying your studies now? Yeah. I mean, like it's it's a love hate relationship because I'm I'm doing what I'm enjoying, but what I'm enjoying is fucking difficult. Is is fucking me up at the moment. Yeah. So it's a it's a whole thing, but yeah. um. What were you we talking about? Oh yeah, Hauptmann Help Hauptmann Um Yeah, it's I'm actually really, really grateful for the fact that I actually went to that school because mm. I could have just as well gone to you know other grade schools like Great College. I um, I was actually um, really considering that. Or yeah, mate, you're quite an anomaly to me. In what way? Like you started out your high school career as this top athlete, one of the untouchables. Everyone was like, oh fuck, look mm. at Shane. Yeah. Shane's walking past like whoa everyone thought you were on steroids because you were like <laughs> really fucking good at athletics and you played rugby and you were like the model help my car kid yeah and then it came out that you were gay yeah and you just stopped doing everything yeah that was a whole thing um but how that came about actually let me tell you a story mm. uh, um so i had well like if, if i got to begin from the beginning of it, i had latin as as my first um third language subject mm. and I think that sparks my interest in languages, and I think that's how I realized I have a nick or like a talent for learning languages. Yeah, um, we were about like five, six, seven people in grade in my grade who did Latin, and the school effectively decided to discontinue Latin as a subject because um, not enough people not enough were interest, taking yeah. it, re- which is really sad because I had a teacher um, from Mart uh, Marty Creer. She was really nice. Um, I should actually send her a Facebook message after this. But um, Marty Asilaisev. <laughs> <laughs> Quite <laughs> unlikely, but we never know. <laughs> um, but yeah, then when they took that away, I deci- we, we, we could have continued with the subject, but I decided to take German. Yeah. Um, and so wait, you didn't take ge- like German from the start? No, I didn't. But um, I started learning German before I actually took the subject. So when yeah. I took the subject, I was already quite um, familiar with the basics. But as soon as I started, I had this great teacher, um, Yefro uh, Angelica. Oh, Angelica. She was, she, uh, she was crazy. Yeah. She was a bit crazy. She, she was a bit all, crazy. All the like German teachers, way. I feel like, are like some of the best people. She, they are. Because like you, I don't think you'd find anyone like them. Like I remember Yefro Karen because with the Golden Boys, we had quite a lot the to Golden. do with her. And like she was really a fantastic yeah. person. Every boy in that school had a crush on yeah. her. <laughs> but that, that, that's beside the point. <laughs> Like, like how surreal is this to think? Pretty much the most attractive teacher in high school is the one that trained you to darn shirtless while you yes. spray painted gold. Yeah. But the same happened with Mia with you guys. Yeah, we had it from Mia. Mia, um, what was her name? Roberts. Yeah, and then it Mia. turned to Van Weyck briefly and then it went back to Roberts. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll, be back <laughs> we'll be back after the sword break. <laughs> But there's no filter in this thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but she was also very um, conventionally, objectively attractive. Um, and she was our Golden Boy um, mentor yeah. slash trainer. Do you want to explain what the Golden Boys are? 
<coughs> the golden boys in our school were basically like the mascots, but they were all grade grade 10 slash grade 11 boys dancing shirtless in a rugby short painted gold from head to toe. Now, Shane, and you can relate with me, but tell me there's nothing in the world that burns like spray paint under your, your arms. <sighs> because we didn't know where to get the paint because... We, we, we haven't gone through this, so we got and like we this didn't industrial. Have a we got this industrial grade fucking probably I don't know, gold paint. spray paint, Yo. and then you fucking spray paint your body with that shit. I don't think that was healthy. No, remember. it definitely wasn't. Every one of us is getting skin cancer, one hundred percent. I actually went home one one night after a Golden Boy performance, and I threw up. Like I actually, I, I became sick to my stomach, and oh I my threw up. And I was like, I don't think I should do this anymore. But I did a few times after that. Yo, no, bro. Gold, yeah, that that was. I'm terrified of peak in high school, to be honest with you. <laughs> I did all the cool shit in high school. Yeah, no, high school, high school was the shit, actually. Like, I really enjoy it. Um, but like, to get back to my story, <coughs> so I started taking German, which is a really good um, choice. And um, from the beginning, I started, like, getting 90s. Yeah. And um, in grade 10, we wrote this um, exam, or uh, exam, it was, a, it was a competition, like, um, nationwide, so the whole of yeah. South Africa did it, so the whole of South Africa's um, German um, students actually. Yeah. Um, and then it turned out that I won the competition. Whoa, Shane, rock rustig alsjeblieft. I just need to flex a bit. Um, but um, yeah, I, I won the com- won the competition, um, and my friend Talia Hreiling, she's also in Stellenbosch actually. Mm-hmm. Um, she came second, and um. We both went to Germany for free. Like it was paid by the Goethe Institute and everything. Oh and my god! They paid accommodation. They gave us um, spending money. <gasps> um, they paid our plane tickets and everything. Whoa! So you but just went to Germany for free? For free, yeah. And yeah. it was um, it was essentially um, to um, compete in the International German Olympiad, the International yeah. Deutsch Olympiade, they call it. Um, and I didn't I didn't do really well. Well, I, d- I don't know how I did. I know I, I didn't get one first, second, or third place. But like, I, I don't think it was a bit r- not. I wouldn't say rigged, but like, they gave a lot of points for creativity and um, neatness, which oh, which okay. isn't really linguistic in my opinion. But in your bes- opinion, besides the fact, I met a lot of great people there, um, who with whom I still speak to today, actually. Um, um. So one of my best friends, Gia, she's from Iceland. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I never knew Iceland existed. Well, I knew Iceland existed. I just didn't know there were more than two people cool, there, like living in Iceland. living in Iceland until I met her. And like we still speak like on a weekly, daily basis sometimes. Whoa. Um, and Radik from the UK. I'll actually tell them to listen to this podcast afterwards. He's quite cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really met really great people. But basically, the reason I'm telling the story is because I. I wouldn't say I had the gay awakening because I kind of knew I was gay before mm-hmm. that, but like it made me quite, it, it made me realize that I shouldn't be con- like um, content. What's the word? Content. I think content. Content with what you currently have. Yes, like yes. Like living a, this, the, like, um, the straight life, yeah, the yeah. hetero life and just sort of being something yeah, that you're Yeah, because like before that I was quite okay with um, who I was pretending to mm-hmm. be. And I was quite um, comfortable in that space, but like when I went there, I met so much, so much queer, pe- uh, so many queer people, I should say. Um, and when I, and then the night before, the day before I came back, I was like, "Well, I'm going to go back to South Africa, where literally almost no one knows I'm gay, yeah. so I can make a choice between living the life I've lived in those two weeks in Germany yeah. and being 
the happiest me I can be or I can go back to being content with what I have, which I wouldn't have been because now now that I've had, had a taste yeah, of Yeah, you've like had a taste of like freedom and now right, um, that, was, that was the August tour for me. Yeah, yeah. So like things like that change literally change your life. And it's like if I had gone to another school, I don't know how, how it would have turned out. Like, mm. When would I ha- would, when would I have come out? When yeah, exactly. Would I wouldn't I probably wouldn't be able to speak German fluently now if I did, and it's just like all these. But I, like it's a it's a tough school to go to. Yeah. Uh, but it does deliver. It does. Yeah. Like I I realize every single day, like all the life lessons, the little things that I've learned there, like I, I apply them every single mm. day. Like that August tour thing, that was when I realized like I can't have someone supervise every decision I make mm. and like check up on me the whole time. I'm a, I realized then that I'm like an extremely independent person. Yeah. I was so happy, Shane. I mean, you know, you're in a random country. You have no idea actually where anything is, where you are. Yeah. But you find a way to see things, to enjoy things and to still be at the right place at the right time. Mm. Because I mean, th- they go, they say, okay, you have three hours of free time. Yeah. Do with it what you want. Yeah, it's it, it makes you very independent, um, in a way because like, may, sometimes it makes you feel like you're alone, mm-hmm. but um, in the same way, like contradict contradictingly, if that's a word, it um, teaches you to like that you're actually not alone because you actually have to look out for yourself and by doing that, look out for each other. But you know what helped Macron also a, creates a sense of mm. community. I, I guess. Yeah, you know what helped Macron also taught me is like. I know that I'm okay on my own. Mm. Like all my nights in Sally's out, I've always ended up going at like going to three different places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every single evening, mm. maybe five sometimes even. But I'm always on like my own mission, and I'm very content with that mm. because I find it boring to just stick with one group, and then you say, okay, I'm with this one group now, and that's what I'm sticking to. Instead, it's so much more fun for me just to say, okay, I might be a bit on my own. Yeah. But that's fine because I get to experience so much more things because exactly. I'm not held back by that herd mentality. Yeah, that's. I think that's really like a, a really important thing to be able to do because w- because um like Ruin and I, like we're basically to be my roommate now for context. He's my roommate in uh, in the res I live in in Simonsbach in Um We're basically always together. Mm. But when we're not together, I'm always with other people and I'm okay with being other people with yeah. being with other people who I'm not normally with. Yeah, and I and I think that like that kind of adaptability is really important because when you go out of university, you shouldn't you shouldn't have peaked. You shouldn't have peaked in high school. You shouldn't have peaked in in university, in university context because you should you should peak in in a situation. You can't really like I think a life your life should be a continuation of peaks and valleys. Mm. Because if 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 you stay with one group and you're content with with what you have now and you're you, you you're only content with this certain thing or that certain thing, then you're gonna have one peak and your peaks are gonna but become you, you know what I find boring? Like I, I don't wanna say I've got like a main friend group. Mm. But like I've got a friend group that I associate the most with because in yeah, Blow and like welcoming week and stuff, we were like together all of the time and I'm like really close with all of those guys. But all they do every single time they go out is try somewhere oh, it didn't work, we'll just go to Antlas. And then they go to Antlas and they have a semi-decent time, but it's nothing, like, fantastic. Yeah. And, like, every evening, like, that I go out with them, I'm with them and I'm enjoying it for a bit and I'm like, okay, is this 
all that this night has to offer. Mm. And then I go look for something else. Sometimes I find something incredible. Like I have the time of my life. And then sometimes you just don't. And, and that's, that's okay. Fine. Like you can't, I, I don't like to focus on like the missed opportunities. Mm. Because like uh, I'm thinking now of, I, uh, I bought quite a few shares in Distel right before. In what? Distel. It's like a alcohol company in South oh, Africa. Okay. They own Kliptruf and Captain Morgan and okay. Hunters and those like alcohol brands. Valid. Valid. Very valid <laughs> for the Very student's valid. life. And like uh, right before Cyril opened <laughs> up the alcohol sales again, I bought some Distel shares. And I sold them when they were like right below the peak. And then the share price went up by more 10 rand. Mm. And like I could have been, ah, oh, shit, I missed out on even more money, whatever, whatever. Yeah. But instead, I'm just sort of seeing it as, okay, that was maybe a bit of a missed opportunity, but I still made a considerable amount of money. You have something now that you didn't have before. Yeah, exactly. I had something that I didn't have before. And even though I didn't reach the peak peak, mm. I still reached quite, quite a height. But by, like, I feel like by being myth about or like salty about missed opportunities you're like disregarding the opportunities or even like just half the opportunity you got like which I is kind mm -hmm. of um self self sabotory yeah it is very uh, yeah. i found that a lot of people have like self sabotory mindsets i feel like yeah i feel like that's like that's an innate it um, is an innate like part of, of human yeah. uh, nature but it's something that i, I don't want to say you should fight but it's you something to it, it. it's something that you should be conscious of. Yeah. Like I see a lot of people just absolutely drowning in their studies and stuff. But I mean, your work everyone else is doing the same work and you're definitely <coughs> not the dumbest person doing your course. I can promise mm. you that. So instead of always focusing on the negative of your work and just drowning in that sort of um that constant environment of okay, no, I need to study for this, I need to do that, blah blah blah. Instead of just focusing on the negative of the work, focus on the positives in your life. Focus, put more emphasis on like the people around you, the people that support you, the people you have mm. fun with. Exactly. People should just focus more on people. I think that's Less true. Things. Contrary to what most of my chemical engineering <coughs> lecturers would say, <laughs> you're not here mainly for your degree. Mm. I mean, like technically you're here because you have a degree to do, but... With that comes other responsibilities, and that's the social responsibility as well. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like this is the time in your life where <coughs> you pick up most of your skills you're going to be using in your life, exactly. academically, socially, um, uh, romantically. Mm. And I think that's a really important part of university that some people find hard to balance or find hard to be able to enjoy mm. because they always they always see the negatives in what they should be doing mm. academically and i think that's really a shame like you know what people focus too much too much on what they should be doing you said a very nice thing mm. people focus too much on what they should be doing and instead they should just live they should also focus on what they can be doing yeah like don't like that, that's a thing that COVID taught me like right at the beginning i was extremely bummed mm. i was like fuck i'm missing out on my whole matric year Everything is ruined. Mm. Everything is bad. And then I realized, okay, so I'm feeling shit about this now. Yeah. Is there anything I can actually do about this global pandemic thing? No. So why am I feeling bad about it? Exactly. Why am I bringing my own mental health down over something that's 
completely beyond my control. So, obviously, if you fucked up, you should probably feel a bit bad about it, mm. but don't drown in it. Don't let it, like, consume your soul. Like, focus on it and learn something from it. But say, okay, I messed up. I made a mistake. We continue. We move. As the saying in exactly. Rez goes, we move. We move, bro. Bro, that... Get oh, there's, there's so many good sayings in Rez that I feel like people should just take to life. Like, mm. it's not that deep. It's not that deep, bro. It's not that deep. But I feel like that's also an English thing. Like, <coughs> Rezan and I grew up in a predominantly Afrikaans environment um, in Johannesburg. It's a very English statement you just made. Predominantly Afrikaans. Well, environment. Well, I, I was I was quite good in my English. I'm quite good in my English. Well, yeah, you, you did home language, ironic. right? What? You did home language. I did home language English for a while. And then I was like, I can't be sabotaging myself like this because... <laughs> you did the exact I, same thing. I had home language... Of, because we had to have home, la- home mm-hmm. language of Econ's being in Help and Colonel. Yeah. And having home language English as well, plus advanced program English at the same time. You all know that's a bit rough. That was a bit rough. So... What I did was I, I dropped home language English to take English first additional language, which is like mm. English second language. Yeah. But I kept advanced program English because I found okay. it interesting. You found it interesting. But yeah. at the end, I dropped that as well because I was obviously planning to do engineering, and which I'm a bit bleak about because I actually wanted to go through with it. But you know, looking back now, it's okay because um, I lost my chain of thought. I mean, it worked out quite nicely. Yeah, I mean, now. it worked out quite nicely. I'm here now um, doing the things, or at least trying to do the things. But I mean, you at least learned a lot of skills during the time that you took that subject. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. I learned a lot when I was busy with home language. And like, I did learn home language until the second term of grade yeah. 11. And then my favorite teacher left the school. Who was that? Little Tanya. Oh, uh, for Tanya O'Brien, you are a doll an absolute <laughs> gorgeous soul of a being yeah she was really cute um we my english teacher my home language no she was my actually my ap english teacher mm-hmm. um she was uh claire you for claire Gruvia. not not Gru- uh, actually she was my home language Eng- english teacher so both yeah. of my english teachers was it claire right claire right ah so she was my ap english teacher my um home language english teacher was claire Gruvia. yeah both of them had such a big impact in my life to be oh, very i agree honest. like I remember I was in grade nine. I had home language with um, Yefro Claire Wright. Mm. And we never did any actual English. It was, it was conversation. Only, only philosophical conversations about the world. And we were so insightful. I mm. learned so much in that class. Not in English necessarily, but like in life skills. Yeah. I mean, and you I were learning about life skills in English. Uh, I, I guess that that's the one. Oh, wait, did yeah. you speak Afrikaans? No, we spoke English. Okay, great. That's yeah, what, that's what matters. Sure, no. oh, I miss you for Tanya so much. Like I remember this one, this this one memory just sort of sticks to me because I was in a class in grade eight, and I went to Claire Rice in grade nine, mm. and then I came back to you for Tanya for grade ten and grade eleven, and we were doing this poem, "Refugee Mother and Child." Mm. Do you remember it? I don't think we did that. Okay. Oh wait, actually, actually, by Chinua Achebe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's I about remember. him writing when he was at a, at a, a refugee camp. Yeah. And he saw this starving child on the brink of death. And mm. this mother just sitting with the child, just gently combing his hair, which would mm. have been a natural, like a normal thing on an everyday life. But she did it so like tenderly. It was such a like touching moment mm. for him to see. And it was an absolutely gorgeous 
poem, extremely poignant is the mm. word I'd use to describe poignant. it. Poignant. Oh, listen to that. That's my favorite word every time you're talking. Poignant. Poignant. Works really well in essays. Mm. And then she came up to me. I was sitting in the front of the class, and she said, and she was like doing the motion of touching me, and she's like, now. I know Reda really well and with I feel like I'm really close to Reda. And then she just did the hair parting thing with my hair. And I was like, oh, my God, you're for Tanya. I love you as a being oh, that you like see me as such a close person to your soul mm. that you would like share this intimate moment with me. And I don't feel like a lot of teachers built that level of intimacy mm. with their pupils. But I feel like language classes like that allow it, especially like home language classes. Mm. <coughs> like... My language teachers have been the people who have had the biggest impact on yeah. my life. Be that my my German teachers, my English teachers, my Afrikaans. Were you um, at Rizal? No, oh, uh, Rizal was my grade eight teacher, uh, Afrikaans teacher. Bruh, our classes were batshit yeah. crazy. Yeah. Oh fuck! What was that? Um. Well, okay. <laughs> so you know, I had Ruben Barnett with my class. Yeah. And he's a bit of a not not a whack job, but a very interesting Person. fella. Mm. And there was this, we were uh, learning how to write a news article. Mm. And she said, okay. And like in the notes, they said, Jy moet hierdie begin met a treffende kop. Met <laughs> treffende kop. <laughs> and Ruben just could not shut up about <laughs> treffende kop. It, 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 it tra- basically translates to a hard-hitting head. A hard-hitting head. And like we couldn't stop laughing and chatting about it for like three weeks straight. We were just joking about a treffende kop, how everything needs to be a, tre- a treffende kop. And we did this book, the, A Fiere Frau. Oh, you yeah. guys didn't do Fiere Frau, you did? We did Ach, Tuerberg sounded dreadful. That was, it was a really interesting book, but it was dreadful to understand. Mm, and yeah, I get that. But Fiere Frau is like really complex. And there was a lot of like complex characters mm. like Leora. She's like a hermaphrodite. But she's extremely feminine at the same time. And she, like, was it the Algiers War? She was a nurse. And she, like, saw, but, like, a bunch of gruesome shit. Mm. And then there was, like, so much tea going on. Because Candace, the one girl li- living in South Africa, she wa- she's, like, in love with Walter. But they can't be together Walter. because there's, like, a reason and stuff. And we're all, like, speaking. The whole class is just so engaged with, like, shit, are they going to get together? Are they not going to get together? <laughs> what, is going in, what is going to happen here? And the book was actually enjoyable, even though mm. we were, like, almost forced to read it because the teacher made it enjoyable. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of teachers lack that skill mm. of making their work enjoyable. Because it's it's almost like a job for them. Exactly. And but some people see it as a passion. Uh, Yifra exactly. Tanya had a passion for it. Mm. So that is why I think I was so engaged in her classes. And the moment she left, for two weeks, I sat in home and I decided, nope, nope. I'm not going to do this anymore. The new teacher. I can't. Bra- the, the funniest thing, the new teacher that came to like replace Yifra Tanya. Who was that? Yifra Karen Vesekarta. Oh, but like she's she was in that school before she came mm, back. And then she came back. Yeah. And she's a fantastic teacher, but yeah. I just did not have the same connection with her as I had with mm. Tanya. And within two weeks, I s- given my letter of resignation, or I say I want to change subjects, go to Natali, I get my forms, and she signs it, and I go off, I give it to Kinich, Kinich signs it, and I'm like, oh, we're moving classes. Yeah. I get my new roster, guess who my teacher is? Yeah. <laughs> so I leave her <laughs> class, because I don't think she's good enough, and then I come back to her class <laughs> for FAL. Imagine. Oh, but that FAL class was an absolute blast. We read The 100-Year-Old Man Who Climbed Out of a Window and Disappeared. The what? The 100-Year-Old Man Who Climbed Out of a Window and Disappeared. You read 
we read interesting things in English if at we all. do like the most random shit that but does it, not make you sense. know why I was so excited for that book because I read it in grade six yeah and I absolutely adored that <laughs> book it is the most bonkers batshit crazy like you can't imagine someone can think up the things that happen in that book like at one point they're on a farm and then a gangster tries to catch them and then the hundred year old man tells the elephant to sit and the elephant squashes the gangster <laughs> How do you come up with it? <laughs> and then they buy a school bus to have to be able to transport the elephant. Sounds like a normal Tuesday evening to me. Yeah, well, we, we, no one knows what the gays are up to on <laughs> a Tuesday evening, so it could very much like be the things that happen. This is the gay agenda. <laughs> this is the gay agenda. <laughs> crushing gangsters with exactly, elephants. Exactly, this is what we do. Pride Month is all a guys. <laughs> it's all fake bullshit. Pride Month is just the poster. It's just, and a, then what just happens a diversion underneath. from the fact that we're using elephants <laughs> as, our, as our weapon <laughs> to crush gangsters. My God. But that school goes through English teachers. Yeah, yeah they, they go through. Yo. Like we, I've, I've had like my fair share of English teachers in that school because they just come and go. They just come I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know if it's like a, it's probably the culture shock because, you know, Halpenkar is like a very Afrikaans school. Mm. And I wouldn't say conservative because Halpenkar isn't really conservative in that sense. It's but just somewhere in the middle. Like, they are yeah. very conservative parts. Your The hair rules, the yeah. shave rules. All those things, but I feel those are more traditions. They're very, yeah. n- they're not close-minded. They're not so close-minded. Let's say gay people exactly. or like people of color or something like yeah. that. Yeah, no, that's true. But like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, they weren't really conservative in the sense of being close-minded to things. Although they were, the, although our, our headmaster was very or is very um, stubborn in the things he does. Mm. He's always open-minded to new people, and he really encourages and appreciates diversity which was really cool which is why I, I find it so easy to come out in school because you just create that culture of of acceptance, um, yeah, in, acceptance. In, a, in a way but and i mean w- was it hard the, c- the like the coming out was it really. difficult on your on not your really mental because well-being? The literally the day the day i landed from germany you know after the whole ordeal mm-hmm. of me being am i gonna be happy or am i gonna be sad you know yeah yeah um <laughs> I, I literally landed and the day i landed we had Produxi, which is basically the school's <sighs> concert <Produxy. coughs> that, was that such school a gave you time. opportunities yeah. to make good memories exactly. like you can't believe yeah so um the day i landed i went to pr- uh, the pr- Produxi, which is the concert and i sat there and i basically came out to i don't know just like in conversation with my friends and I didn't really have to come out to other people because obviously spread spread like wildfire through the yeah. school. Um, but I never even heard of this. What? You coming out? I never heard of it. Where did you hear I was going? Like long, long ago. No, no, not long ago. Like long after, because you, that was grade ten. I came out in grade eleven. Grade eleven. Yeah, I only found out at like matric. Yeah. So it, it, the news never reached me, but mm. you continue with yours. Yeah, no, that's the, but but that's but that's relevant because, like, obviously it spread through like my grade specifically because I don't I don't think the school really expected it because I didn't really present as a, the stereotypical, um, well, homo- you homosexual in that out, way. Say again. Your laugh is very very gay. But I mean, I've I've been been becoming gay like since I came out. Like I've been more in touch with my feminine side, but that's that's um, a whole <laughs> other story. <coughs> but generally, especially before I came around, like I was, I was easily possible as a masculine straight guy. Yeah. So when I came out, I was really a shock to a lot of people. Um, 
were there people that treated you like differently they were like no i don't want uh, like they seemed uncomfortable with your presence well the people well obviously there were a few people who um spoke a hammer back which i heard about but those weren't the people i actually spent a lot of time with in the first place mm. so they don't I, I don't think i gave them an opportunity or they gave me an opportunity to so that i can really um realize that they were treating me differently yeah that makes sense i get you i get you um didn't really give them the time of day but um genuinely like the friends i had and um just the general vibe that was that i was no one really cared which yeah. is really cool yeah that's really nice yeah um so you've had quite a successful coming out story i, I did i did but like it really uh, it relapsed a bit uh, when i came to university um and i started um living in uh, my residence in Simmelsbach because i didn't feel like it was unsafe to come up but it was a, it was a new space and new experiences and everything mm. <coughs> Obviously, homophobia is a lot more prevalent here because people come from a lot very more different, different backgrounds. Very yeah. different backgrounds, and um, my roommate last year was from a small town um, in Cirrus or something, and you know they had like three people living there, so they <laughs> <laughs> they weren't really um, used to a lot of things outside of the, the Norm, hetero- yeah. heteronormative whites, probably um, like Afrikaans um, vibe, you know. Yeah. So. Um, you know that made me like feel a bit more unwelcome in that sense, and I was uh, um, but uh, then COVID cut it short, and I think the res or the people in my res realized or um was starting to notice that I was a homosexual, um by mm. the things I was posting on my Instagram story and everything. Yeah. And when I came back, I wasn't really um, like I just decided you know like everyone knows anyway. I'm just gonna you know be whatever. Yeah, just I, do I whatever. don't. I'm not friends with everyone in the res anyway, so yeah. I can keep their side can keep my side mm. um but my roommate actually ruan he he was the first person in res i told that i was gay and he he was really cool so yeah that's quite um, nice that it was a positive experience yeah that's that's the thing like you think you think coming out is one thing and it, then it's just it's, it's, it's sort of a, a phase <coughs> like there's the first phase and exactly. then you move on to a new part of your life mm. then there's the new phase of people just trying to like normalize it and just sort of get it through their heads exactly yeah but you know what like from welcoming week i felt so comfortable mm. to like just be myself just do whatever the fuck i need to do and get on with it yeah because they, they i never sort of got the the vibe from the people that i were like spending time with and the hawker and like everyone just sort of set such a inclusive almost atmosphere yeah no that's the thing like i really appreciate the welcoming hawker because they really um Sorry, I was hearing the word puss in the background. So well, that just, yeah, that's the standard rest <sighs> stuff. Probably if Rwan. If you, if you don't know, that was Albert, I think. Oh, Albert. Like oh, he was probably losing a chess. Yeah, yeah, they're playing chess now, and they're very passionate about chess. If you don't hear the word puss at least, like, three times in the span of five minutes, then... There's problems. Th- they're probably studying. No, no, actually, that then you should say the word puss more. But anyway, get, <laughs> get it back. What were we speaking about in the first Speaking place? our coming out and how, like, the welcoming week. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah, no, our welcoming like half was if amazing. If anyone is unsure if they should come to Rez, if they think they'll, like, enjoy life here, I'd say come to Simonsberg. I would say that as well. Like, Simonsberg is really such a welcoming place in general. And obviously, like, you, um, there's going to be bumps and you're going to, like, but first year is is a ride. First year mm. is 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 an emotional like roller coaster, and like people develop and people change, and you're still trying to be okay with yourself. And by becoming okay with yourself, you start becoming okay with other people. Mm. So it's a process. But like I feel like that's that's the case with 
most situation in most races in this place. Mm. Um, and there are a lot of races in Stellenbosch which I don't feel like I would have fit in in the first place. Yeah. Um, just the stories I hear and everything. I can't make assumptions because I haven't been in that res. Yeah, but like but you, you can, can sort you of you can read you can you can see the type of culture that is being taught is being yeah is being like practiced. enforced or just sort of the norm yeah in those places. Shane, how mature did you feel when you walked out of high school? How mature? I feel like I'm the most mature pers- person at in every moment in my life. But then a few years later, I, I look back and I'm like, wow. But that means I'm exactly progress. the same here. Yeah, exactly the same here. Like. I walked out of high school and I thought I was the shit. Exactly. I had everything figured out. I had my good group of friends and it wasn't like a big bomb shock. Like, I think I've really adjusted extremely well to his life. Like when I talk to my to my friends in Joburg and stuff, they say, oh, from the stories I hear, you're the one who's like adjusted the best mm. to um to university life. And I don't know if that's just sort of a, byproduct by me like i just always feel comfortable in those situations mm. that's another thing that helped McCall like just taught me to like just just calm down it's not that deep just yeah. be comfortable in the situation because as soon as you start getting uncomfortable then you start making other people uncomfortable mm. and then they don't want to talk to you blah 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 mm. difficult things and it's like we always had this cheesy cliche saying in in um in help and go oh our headmaster always said Help you any not me. Help you crank out me. Uh, I don't know a few other things which basically translates to a helpy or a person from helping car doesn't get wet when it rains, and a person from helping car doesn't get cold. And we dance in the rain, Shane. And we dance in the rain, which was like quite cheesy. Like I, c- I cringed a bit when every time that was said. But like when you look back, it actually. Not the sayings themselves taught you something, but the culture they taught you. Yeah, that's like you those be quite sayings adaptable. enforce the culture. Mm, exactly. Like subconsciously. Like I, I genuinely can't think of the last time that I felt like I was properly <coughs> suffering in life when I felt like yes, yeah. I just don't want to be alive. I just don't want to do things. Yeah. Like during this whole university experience, and there's been ups and downs. Mm. And everything going on. You know how crazy first year is. Mm. But through it all, I've maintained a very constant level of happiness. Mm. And it's growing most of the time because I'm getting even more comfortable. And I feel Help Makar really helped me just to like get comfortable in my own skin and exactly. just accept who I am and be that in res. Yeah. And I mean, fortunately, I'm in a res where they allow you to just mm. sort of be yourself when you don't have to conform to the norms of whatever everyone perceives. Yeah. And we actually we had um, um, in the residence our first like celebration of pride in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one we raised actually like our our hawker Rivaldo Carulas, Rivaldo Carulas. Um, he organized like rainbow cake and he organized like um, you know um, queer like queer popular music and um, it was just the whole vibe and they were like. Oh, but that was one of my. F- favorite like yeah. uh, lunches we've ever had yeah, it was because really there was cool. such a vibe and I mean it wasn't overdone yeah. it wasn't like in your face all yeah. this like gay things being shouted at you listen here you need to do this people weren't being like antagonized exactly. because they didn't support the gays the gays were just there doing their thing and people realized gay people are a lot of fun yeah and <laughs> I think that really opened like a lot of guys mind in res to be like okay well I mean why why am I not part of this fun? Exactly. Not because they should become gay, but why am I being so hostile 
to people of a different yeah. sexual preference than me. I mean, no, I agree. they have fun and they look like people who aren't full of shit. They're not full of themselves. Yeah. They're not shoving their ideals down my throat. They're just showing me what I'm missing out on. Exactly. Like it's 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 more of a okay. Um, you you may have may or may not have no uh, known of me. What? Well, my English has been depleting there. What? You may or may not have known this, but like I'm here. Mm. Like I exist, and like you know, this is this is the hit me up the month. Good this time. is the month. This is the month where I'm gonna be like, okay, I'm here. Please, um, you know, be a, be be fine mm. with me. Hopefully, yeah. but like I have, I have like gotten that vibe from a few people, or I've I've heard as well, where they were like, oh, I feel so, um, as if this whole thing has been forced down our throats, and um. You know, and, and, and that kind of vibe. And I feel like like I don't know why people feel it feel that way. Like I feel like it's a it's more of a the fact that they aren't really educated in the whole thing. So the fact that they aren't educated like makes them feel like so mm. out of place in, in like there were a few pride flags up like of different sexualities, like the yeah. bisexual flag, the pansexual flag. And I feel like if you if you're not really educated in that department, then you feel like that you aren't really a part of Mm. the whole thing happening there and, I, yeah. and I, I don't feel like it's our responsibility as queer people to to educate them like obviously we we are going to answer questions if they answer questions and yeah. we'd be happy to like if if like i want straight people to come to me and ask different types of questions about um queer culture or um things like that because like i want i want them better. to be educated but like it's not our responsibility to actively Educates the straight population. But you know, you know what happens is as soon as people feel like they're forced to do something, their instinct is to see that as the enemy. And exactly. Like, I mean, it happens in relationships all the mm. time. As soon as you start feeling like you have to force things, as soon as you start feeling like, okay, no, I, um, you're, as soon as they start feeling trapped, then people want to run. Mm. People don't like feeling trapped. And uh, when you like bombard them, with all these like pride things and you shove it down their throat. You know what I find quite weird about the LGBTQIA community? Mm, tell me. Is how hostile some of the members are to straight people. And I, I, I fully understand why. But hostile in what way? Like sometimes when you when people like talk about the gay the straight guys and they use very like derogatory like language and they're like oh no all straight people will never understand blah 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 and like we, you look at cancel culture and stuff like that mm. like they physically go after these people and sometimes it's like i remember the kevin hart thing he had a home made a homophobic uh, uh twitter post like mm. seven years ago and he yeah. deleted it but people still went after him for it yeah and the problem is is that's the only media that gets coverage that straight people see yes and then they associate the whole gay community exactly. with those people that antagonize them. So I, wh what I personally think, and this is only opinion, mm. but I think gay people should probably just try and be the better person. Yeah. Don't see straight people as your enemy. And mm. Don't see them as like people in need of your education. Just do your thing. Just do your mm. thing and people will realize, oh, oh it's not that bad. Like, sometimes very few times you get the you get the clarity of mind and the wisdom mm. to see what your purpose was in something yeah it's no, very that's true like i i think i've got a good story hold on oh yeah tell me i'm here for it and some very few times you sort of get to see your purpose in something mm. and 
during like the first few weeks there was this girl that like uh, we were all the Simon boys were like we joke we said we have Love Island some Irene because literally every girl every boy in my friend group was like chatting to someone in Irene yeah and the girl that I was talking to was from Limpopo and of Limpopo I don't know which one to use Limpopo and she came from a very Christian like background so she was very I wouldn't say anti-gay but it wasn't like something that she was very comfortable with like i remember i was we were at a flat and we were just chatting and she was talking about oh no it's not nice to be catcalled and i was like yeah well i have a bit of experience of that like a party at a few gay bars mm. and so like i i know what's up and she was like gay bars you yeah and i was like oh and then i just wanted to like openly chat to her about it but yeah. she was like quite unwilling to have a conversation because she thought that i was going to come in from like the perspective of the enemy saying no you're wrong for this blah 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 yeah and then i just sort of said okay i'm just going to leave it and then we just chatted even more chatted even more and we just sort of got to know each other quite well and she just realized listen yeah, i'm a normal bloke yeah. i'm just a normal guy and then one day at the tennis courts late at night somewhere uh, we were just chatting and then i casually dropped that i'm a bit bi mm. a bit bi a bit bi and at first she was like taken aback and then i think her mind just sort of realized <coughs> oh but he's basically just like me mm. and so i think i sort of saw the purpose of myself mm. in that situation where i was there to reeducate someone just through loving mm. just through being myself mm. not shouting prop- propaganda in her face not saying she's wrong or something just showing how you live and i think uh, i'm not a very christian guy but i think mm. it's a very very nice thing that christians would try to achieve more is yeah. just leading through example yeah just doing your thing and not bragging about it not trying to show off and not trying to sort of force people into what you think is mm. co- is like the right thing to do but just doing your own thing leading by example and then people realize by proxy because people learn like lessons that they learned themselves a lot more mm. than lessons that someone else taught them. But that's also a conversation because I feel like in our day and age where information is so readily readily available like 24/7 especially as young people where most of us like are a lot more tech savvy and a lot more um fluent in the internet and everything I feel mm-hmm. like there's also like a a responsibility on us to educate ourselves on on topics that are um taboo or topics that are um that jump up in the world like yeah like, like pride month and i feel like in a way i understand what you're saying like and i, I agree with you 100 percent there but i also feel like in a way if if i were in that situation where mm-hmm. she was like okay about you i wouldn't attack her and i think that's a very important um balance to have is 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 attacking someone and trying to hear where they're coming from and tell them where you're coming from because I, I i feel like in my years of experiencing like homophobia and experiencing you know things that are really not nice i found the balance between um, between trying to relate to them but also trying to really tell them that their opinion is their opinion to have but not an opinion that is helpful in any way yeah that's a very nice way to put it yeah so even though i agree that you should lead by example i also agree that you should have 
a sense of you okay i draw the line here mm. this is this is where it's going to stop and where you're going to want to educate the person in what they need to be educated in like um like people like i feel like if you feel you're you are being attacked by if uh, like be, uh, our dining hall being um decorated in pride flags and everything that's fine because you may not feel but comfortable were they were there people that like you heard speaking and saying that they felt yeah, like yeah, attacked they not a, attacked in that word but like they felt like you know why why is this like we there are straight people here as well like wh- why why should this be actually a thing and they felt like quite uncomfortable in the in the situation it's like that's valid but why why wouldn't you do the um make the effort to like try to find out what it's about and what everything is about especially in the day and age we, where we are in where you can have these the have these conversations and um get the information you need to understand and I feel I can have a lot more respect for you if you've done your research and you still have the same shitty opinion in my but in my mind. Keep in mind, people are products of nature. Well, that's obviously, true. But people are also very like uh, afflicted by the way that you were raised. Like the girl that I was talking about, she came from a very conservative household. Very like they went to sh- church every single Sunday mm. without fail. Extremely like religious. So. Obviously, you've never really been exposed to that side of the world Mm. and you've never really had any experience or any real education. All you've ever heard is gay equals wrong. Yes. But But then where where do you draw the line between giving them the benefit of the doubt and um, allowing them to have bigoted opinions? You know what? You draw the line in that you trust people to one learn and you trust their character to grow sometimes just placing a bit of trust in someone and just taking a bit of time and just be patient just keep on doing your thing don't be a dick to them don't be rude to them don't belittle them for their opinions Mm. just show them just guide them in the correct way don't make them feel like they're forced to Mm. to learn these things just guide them in a correct way and then people slowly realize like normalizing things like this i also came from a pretty christian like background and normalizing the idea of gayness it took me a while Mm. to like just sort of because i remember as a kid i was like absolutely disgusted by it because i'm a kid i don't know any better i was as well being a gay person myself i was like what the fuck is what the fuck are gay people (laughs) but with time you sort of learn these things and Progress doesn't happen overnight. Rome wasn't built in a day. Mm. So you're not going to change someone's entire opinion about something in a singular conversation. You need time for these things to fester, for these ideas to just sort of sit and just work in your subconscious. Mm. That's true. But that being said as well, I feel like if if I feel like you've listened to me (coughs) and you've actually taken in the information I've conveyed to you, and like I, I'm not the person who would, who would attack someone for having a bigoted opinion, um, in on homosexuality or queerness in in general. Um, but if I feel like I have given you relevant information, I've given you enough information for you to process, mm-hmm. and you still have 
an opinion I didn't agree with. I can I can work with that. I can like I can have still have respect with you. Yeah. I can still have future conversations with. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily be friends with you. But the secret to what you just explained here is giving them the correct information that you think yes. they need without coming forth as the enemy. Exactly. But the other side of that is if I feel like I'm talking to a wall, if I feel like I'm, I've, I'm giving you information, or I'm educating you on queerness and I'm educating you on all these things and you just disregard what I say completely. Yeah. Like, I'm going to think you're a piece of fucking shit, to be very quite frank. I'm going to, like... That, then that's not but once you. again you're entitled to your own opinions but that's true but like and i would probably think the that, same that's, as that's you. that's a that's a fault in your in your in your processing as as a logical being that's something you should sort out yourself because if you don't you, you you're still allowed to have your own opinions you're still allowed to think about think about things that you mm. that you think about them but if you if you just kind of disregard or just or, or is not or not willing to try to learn something new or try to tr- even try to see something from another's perspective, even though you know that you will never change your opinion on that thing, yeah, then that's your fault. That's that's on you. That means that you need to change something in okay. yourself, and you have no. Well, I'm being very like passionate, being very authoritarian now, but like you're a shitty person. Like you, you just you are not. Okay, but a Shane? person that's that is that is capable of having a constructive conversation in general, not even on homosexuality, yeah, on yeah, everything. No, but I get you. Like, even though people aren't stubborn, and sometimes they don't change, and you might think that they're a piece of shit, just don't be a dick to them. No, I won't. Like I. But that's that's all you need. Mm. That's all you need. You are allowed to your own thoughts because, mm. fortunately, our thoughts mm. stay ours. Yeah. You don't have to verbalize those thoughts and to take those thoughts to actions mm. and be, uh, uh, let's call it, I'm cons- constantly using the word enemy, but come forth as the enemy no, and antagonize them. Mm. Just treat them as a normal being, even though you think they're shitty, even though you think, I think that was one of the biggest problems I had in high school. Mm. No, that's very is, true. Is I didn't give people enough of a chance to redeem themselves in my eyes. Yeah. Like, I re- I rem- you remember the story I just told you about the, the puss tent and the tractor tire mm. in that tent? Yes, it was a funny story. And yes, those people, I, I, I can't say they actually deserved it. But a- at the time, it seemed like the just thing to do. But when I think back on it, it's a good memory. But I'm quite ashamed of myself that I didn't give them the chance to redeem themselves in my eyes. Just by me going and having a conversation, actually putting in the effort of getting to know them. Because the only thing I ever actually judged them on was their actions, their surface-level actions. I never actually got to knew them as people. And I'm quite disappointed in myself that I didn't go to the effort and deem these people irredeemable and never gave them the chance to redeem themselves in my eyes because redemption goes both ways Mm. let's say someone thinks i'm a piece of shit okay it's my responsibility to ensure that i come forth as not come forth but try and change my unhealthy habits Mm. so that uh yeah so that i become a more like (laughs) let's call it wiser 
being and more helpful to society. But it's also that other person's responsibility to acknowledge the progress that I've made Mm. and not constantly think like there was another point. There was a group of (coughs) like a friend group in high school who I always associated as being the absolute fuck ups who I thought were never going to make anything, were absolute pieces of shit and could do nothing right. And then I hear sometimes stories of them doing really like wonderful things for Mm. other people. And there was one instance where one of them actually did something wonderful for me. We were in an extra extra math class and he stayed right across from the math class and my parents were going to be late. And he offered, listen, can I just wait with you outside while your parents came? Mm. While you wait for your parents so you don't sit here alone. And in that moment I realized you're not irredeemable. Yeah. You actually have decent qualities. You just have some qualities that I tended to focus on more. Exactly. So I think it's more, it's, it's back to the gay thing. It's less judging people for what they believe and more giving them a chance mm. to grow. No, that's true. Um, like I said, like that, that also falls in to your responsibility to be able to be open-minded on someone's character Mm. like you may not like their character now you may not (coughs) you may think they're a shitty person now maybe they are maybe they are a shitty person you don't have to like them i think a lot of people are shitty people right now and i i I personally do not like those people but i would never i feel like i I would never hold i would never set my opinions on them in in stone yeah i get you i would always be like um if if they for example, did something shitty to me and I think they're a piece of shit and like a year later they came to me and said, you know, that thing I did to you was shitty. I'd be like... I know uh, exactly what story you're talking about. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mention the story because that gets a lot of... The, the person on a bit specific and I don't want to call anyone out. Mm. But, um, yeah, this person was really shitty to me and like I really did not like this person. But he, he said sorry to me like a year later and like I have... the world's respect for that you know and like yeah. I, I have a whole different like it, it takes it takes a lot to say that i was wrong mm. i'm sorry for what i did to you yeah and sometimes people come to that realization and sometimes they just frankly don't have the balls mm. like they come to the realization but they don't have the balls mm. to tell you listen i'm sorry because shane ego ego is a vicious thing it is it is a vicious thing and that's why you do drugs, kids, to experience ego death. Ego. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to you, eh? <laughs> like, <clears throat> oh. I, d- I don't want to, like, say everyone should do drugs because it's probably not beneficial to some people. For, yeah, for re- legal reasons, that was not me promoting drugs. That was just a joke. No. <laughs> but you do gain some form of, like, I don't even want to call it perspective, mm. but some deeper understanding exactly if it makes sense like it just allows you to be able to detach yourself from yourself yeah and be able to see to see you but you know what also really helps with that is just almost detaching yourself and seeing your life almost from the third person mm. just sort of being an onlooker mm. is meditation mm. oh I, I i cannot recommend it enough just sometimes because in meditation the the whole goal is, like, one. Uh, I'm doing the Headspace thing currently. Oh, Headspace is so nice, yeah. It is extremely nice. And 
the image that he creates is you're sitting on the side of the road and you're just watching the cars go by and these cars your emotions your thoughts the busyness of your mind and you never or you should try not to get up off the road and run in and try and intervene with the cars and try and get in one or something Mm. just sit down relax be an onlooker let the cars go past you you know you know what i imagine Mm -mm. so you've obviously probably read harry potter and watched the movies exactly now you know in gringotts bank yeah where they have like the mine carts running around (laughs) now how i imagine is is i'm sitting on a rock face in that cave and all my emotions are just the mine carts running past me running past and just going into the black void and it really helps me a lot just to like control my emotions and to make sure that i'm not being that i'm not like indulging in those emotions just getting too worked up about something getting too emotional Mm. about something but something that i've also noticed is it does have a bit of a downside Mm. because i feel like all of the happiest moments are almost made less happy because i'm not so i'm not living so in the moment exactly i'm almost being an onlooker and saying wow this is so cool you should appreciate this instead of actually just appreciating it Mm. so it is it's finding the blend between being an onlooker to the negative emotion i don't think any emotion is actually negative you can transform an emotion to be to you to use it for a positive goal i agree but almost to be an onlooker for anger hate uh despair those things and just sometimes just immersing yourself Mm in the moments of joy, happiness, prosperity. I feel like you have to fully feel your emotions for what they are. Mm. <coughs> um, like, Don't suppress you, your you emotions. Exactly. Don't suppress your emotions. Like what you said about the emotions being the cause. Like you can try to, you can try to stop those cars by, you know, trying to intervene, jumping in front of them, but that's mm. going to hurt you more. Like you should take those emotions for what they are. Yeah. You should, you should, evaluate those emotions you should try and be more objective feel them you should yeah you should try and be more objective saying sometimes when you're sad saying yes Mm. i'm sad i'm sad now i am sad now i acknowledge that i'm sad now i'm going to feel sad and it's okay Mm. it happens and as soon as you acknowledge something it just becomes so much more manageable Mm. as soon as you acknowledge okay this thing is happening right now then it just becomes almost bearable. Exactly. It becomes, you say, okay, I know now what the problem is, and I don't necessarily always have to fix the problem, but at least I know what the problem is. Because if and you try to, like, sorry, if you like try to suppress that problem, if you try to suppress that, like, certain emotion, it almost becomes like a pending emotion. If that yeah, makes sense. It it's just like waiting to, to exactly. come again. Like, it's something like you're, you're waiting to actually happen even though yeah, you're almost living in suspense the whole time. Yeah. You're just waiting for this emotion to rear its head. You know, I struggled with anger management quite a lot in my younger days. Really? I would never have been able to say that. You would never. Yeah, I'm telling you. I told you I was a completely different person yeah. before like grade 11. I struggled with anger management. I, I still get flares sometimes. Like we did, we played Ultimate Frisbee today. And I'm not an extremely competitive person, but sometimes I just really want to do well at like mm. a sports thing. Yeah, that's valid. And then after like, 
that we were playing for like about two hours and then here on the two one hour 40 mark i was like in a golden position and i dropped it and i like i was feeling that anger flaring mm. i was like yes i want to kick this frisbee mm. i just want to stomp off the field and walk off and then i just saw said okay no i'm angry now what's that actually going to help mm. your friends are going to think you're a dick you're going to fuck up everyone's joy by kicking the frisbee. You're going to make yourself look like an absolute ass. There's no point in indulging mm. in that anger, in exactly. that hatred. And then I just sort of let it go. And then we played. I played so much better after I just acknowledged, you know what? I'm angry. And it's not like it's not fair to the other people around me for me to be angry and to like, ruin their fun because now they feel guilty mm. like people feel guilty when someone else gets extremely angry yeah. some people get a bit of like guilty pleasure from it which it's understandable sometimes it's fun seeing how you, you know what that's what fucking internet trolls love yeah on. that feeling of like oh yeah i fucking pissed this, I man pissed this person off and it's fun to see it's fun to see but i don't <coughs> think it's really something you should indulge in see rocker long and i shame another work i actually had covid 19 um, <gasps> the fuck market with a podcast up here <laughs> I'm gonna have to go sanitize my my um my mic covers. <coughs> yeah, it's actually like I'm always sick in December. Like I think I don't I can't I can't remember a lot like a long period of time where I'm not sick because everyone's just on top of each other all the time. So yeah. when one person sick, every everyone's sick, and there's always someone sick. So I'm always sick. I've only had like <coughs> a mild cold here really? so far. And Stanley's been sick quite a few times. He's mm. now got a bit of a cold going. Yeah. And for some reason, like, I just don't pick it up. So I'm very fortunate mm. in that aspect. I'm quite thankful. But you probably ate sand when you were a child. Where's wood? Touch wood for me so that I don't. That was me touching the wood. <laughs> <laughs> Being no. the table, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, we both saw the... the, co- the, the, uh, ah, the what's the... Co- <laughs> no, no, the... Uh, Without context, it couldn't become. You know what people need more than context. Yeah, dick. Under 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 under. No, but what I think, like, it's something that I've been realizing recently is, the world needs more context. I agree. We need Elaborate on that. Oh, you just want to be on your phone, you no, bastard. No, no, I actually want I actually want to just run to record this moment. Oh. That, w- that would be like a cool thing. I okay. Like if I have your permission to record. No, of course you have my permission to record. Oh, we're recording right I, now. I love it when people record me and I get to see how <coughs> stupid I am and enjoy myself. Okay. Because, yeah, this is context. This me recording is context. It's giving context. context on this podcast. So what the world needs more of is context. And why I say that is a lot of people make uninformed decisions and uninformed decisions are the things that are going to fuck up your life. Those are the ones... You heard it here first, folks. Yeah, those are the ones that you like, shit, I wish I knew more, I wish I did more research, whatever, whatever. So context is a very broad thing. Like, for instance, this thing where you said, uh, that's me touching wood. Yeah. Without context, that can be, oh, I'm stroking a penis... Yes. Or it can be, oh, I'm tapping a table. But someone without the context would probably go for the more negative thing. Because, I mean, intrinsically, humans are built more negatively because it's almost a natural survival instinct. Mm. Like when we were running around the plains of Africa, 
your natural instinct was to be wary of everything and always to expect the worst because that's how you survive. Yeah, having a good time isn't going to make you live. Yeah, <laughs> it isn't going to make you get food the next day. But as we move into more privileged lives, into more like luxury and having more time to like think and just sort of be and not constantly focus on survival, then you sort of need the context because otherwise you're always going to assume the worst. As soon as you start assuming the worst, then it's just a downward spiral once again. And then as soon as you hear something out of context from someone, then they sort of, uh, they, then you start gaining negative opinions and those negative opinions, if they aren't like rebuttaled by some, by the other person and they aren't proven incorrectly, those negative opinions just grow in your mind. And that's what happened with, the, with that group of friends in high school is I didn't have context. And by context, I mean the context and where they lived, where their families came from, what they like did in their time. All I heard was the stories without the context. Just hearing all these things that happened to them and then making surface level assumptions about their personalities mm. without actually doing the effort of getting to know the story behind it. So before you accept something as fact, try and do a bit more research, just trying to figure out if the context behind something that happened. I think you might be a better person than I am. Why? Because Shane, I would, they, they, no, would, no, no, no. There is no such thing as an objectively better person <laughs> than someone else. It doesn't exist. But in my, in my, in my opinion of what a good person is supposed to be, I, I would personally not feel bad about pissing in the tent to this day. <laughs> I like would, you know what? I I don't feel <laughs> I don't feel bad about it, but because I'm, <clears throat> I I savor the memory. I think wow, that's a good memory. It was a good time yeah. to have. But once again, I've gained more perspective. I've, yeah. I've gained more context. And then I like I don't regret it. Mm. But I do feel a bit of like almost disappointment in myself that I just sort of jumped to conclusions. Yeah. Thing is, I'm a very I wouldn't say I'm a, I'm a very um, what do you call it? Like a person who doesn't think before he does something. A very uh, rash, rash. A very rash person. I wouldn't say that. But I enjoy I enjoy doing something if it feels good in the moment. And I'm not very a, a, really a person who regrets something he does. So I know, I also try and live like I can, I can, like, if someone could do something shitty to me and I could, like, have it, take a fat shit on the um, front porch or something. And I would be like, that. that's probably not the right thing to do as a, as a good person. But I'm probably not going to feel bad about it. Yeah. I'm going to enjoy doing it and I'm going to enjoy seeing the reaction. And we can be best friends years after and I would not feel bad about oh. doing that. Yeah. Personally. No, but I, f- I feel the same way about that thing. Like, I think I could go now as a person and firstly say, sorry that I did that to your yeah. tent. Yeah, I can do that as well. But I mean, I, like I've also noticed, like, with the guys I spend time with now in university, I thought them to be absolute pricks mm. in high school. And then I actually got to spend time with them. One of them I got to spend a lot of time on, on the journey, and I realized, oh, wow, he's actually just a pretty normal guy. We've actually got a quite a few things, mm. like, in line with each other. And same with... Another guy, we were <coughs> at um we were mm. at on class and we were just chilling there and then a couple of high school people were there and I just went and sat with them for a bit and just chatted ball with them and I realized he's really not that bad. Mm. Like he's really just a pretty chill person just doing his own thing. Yeah. And the things that he was doing just didn't align with me in high school. Mm. 
and being very immature. I mean, you can't say that you're actually mature in high school. I yeah. thought I was extremely mature. I thought I was a fucking sage. <laughs> very, sage. very wise. Wow. A mountain sage, but... A mountain sage, <laughs> specifically. <laughs> very specific. I'm the person sitting on top of a mountain in my little hut. Yeah. Just dispensing wisdom when people <laughs> come up. And, like, now that I think of it, I should have just given them more of a chance. Mm. Just giving them more of a chance to like not not even prove themselves. Mm. Just giving them a chance to get to know them. Mm. That's true. Like that, it's it's actually quite ironic because the older I get, the more I realize how immature I am. Mm-hmm. That's actually a very big thing. Like, I feel like I'm a lot more mature than I was now, but like, I increasingly become aware of my immaturity as like I get older. I think like of that's, that's I think of things I did in the beginning of the year, like. Right before welcoming, I did something incredibly stupid and I regret it till this day. And ego has still held me back mm. to apologize. It's time It's time mm. for that to end. It's time for ego to take hold. I mean, I, I sit here and I preach all these wonderful things about inclusivity and ego. But like you said, you're a, you think you're a better person than me. And Shane, I'm telling you, you're wrong. You're a better person than me. Other way around. Oh, well, I'm a better person than you. Mm. And I'm telling you, you're wrong. I, I I say all these things, but I don't necessarily always do all mm. these things. <laughs> Everything is fantastic in concept. Everything is a brilliant concept until you try and apply it to reality. Mm. And then you realize it's a bit more difficult. Easy to say, say things in front of a podcast. In front of a like podcast and sound like this <laughs> wise, wise person, which, which I'm not. I don't actually fucking know anything. Yeah. I only know about the experiences I've had. And from those experiences, I've drawn conclusions and I can tell things that I find insightful. Mm. And maybe someone picks up something insightful on here. Maybe they don't. Hopefully they have a good time regardless. One lesson I learned in Heather Kleogrevia's English classes, um, if, we m- if you rewind back to um, a few minutes back into the podcast, yeah. I mentioned her. Um, I don't know if she quoted someone or I don't know if it's a quote that she um, said herself, but she said, the older I get, the more I realize how little I know. Mm-hmm. And that's wha- one thing I've always taken with me yeah. out of a class. And I think that's yeah. like like. In res or just in my university life, I've realized I need to stop thinking of myself as someone who knows everything and just accept, mm. yes, I don't know everything, mm. but the things that I do know, I need to make sure that I apply them. And obviously, I'm going to learn more lessons along the way. You know, like, uh, have you ever had coffee with Doc? I have not. So, Doc invited me over for coffee. He's mm. the, uh, what's in Boon and the Wolf? In um, residence head? Yeah, the residence head. So, he's basically just an older fella living in the res to make sure mm. that we don't cause too much fuck. Mm. And we went over for coffee. And I think, <coughs> I think Doc had this grand idea of me being a very, like, wise person. Uh, someone who knows what's up with the world. And, funnily enough, Nick Scharpens. Mm. Uh, pitched up later and I just sort of realized throughout the conversation that all my knowledge is actually only surface level mm. I don't actually apply a lot of it and I think like Doc, you know Doc, Doc he sees through things he sees through the shits of the world I feel like he has ears in every room like he has like like a mic plant in yeah, every because he knows everything and like he just has a way of seeing <coughs> through people yeah and I think in that evening he saw through me and he was disappointed, not disappointed with what he found, 
but just almost uh, unimpressed, mm. if that makes sense. I think he thought I was a lot deeper than I actually was because I came forth as... I remember, I remember the conversation so clearly, how I sat there full of confidence, but I wasn't full of confidence. I was fucking faking. Mm. I was sitting there trying to seem as someone that's wise when actually I should have just embraced that I know nothing. And I should have just had a conversation with Doc mm. without seeming, without trying to seem that I know a lot more than I actually do. That's a natural response, I think, when you're, si- when you're in the presence of an authority or someone you you respect. You know, I th- think you try to impress them more than you um, probably should. Sure. I did it yesterday. I was talking to Griffin. Do you, do you know how intelligent Griffin is? Really? What you have uh, mechatronic engineering. Study. But not like academically. Like, you do not understand the brain power that man has. He has literally designed a moon base in his head that is actually feasible, that can happen, that is able to work. (laughs) With extremely advanced technologies and things that he's thought of of himself. Like, we were chatting for an hour and a half about Griffin's moon base, and I realized how fucking little I know about these things and that I should shut up and listen. Do you realize this when you did shrooms once? No, I haven't done shrooms yet. No, I mean Griffin. Oh, no, <laughs> Griffin definitely didn't. He said, <laughs> like like he told me, it was during like prelims or something and he can't be on his phone when he's mm-hmm. like doing a study break because otherwise his entire day of studying is completely fucked. Yeah. So what he did was he was he would like finish studying and then you just like take a stroll through the house, like through their garden around mm-hmm. the house. And then you just think of things and then you just find a random place to sit down. And then you sit down and just think of these things and draw pictures and designs in the sand of things that he thought would work. And he, I, I, I'm telling you, if you want to have talk to him about it, it's insane how like advanced the thing is that he's, the things are that he's talking about, like the scientific concepts that he's working into his base is absolutely insane and it's not even sci-fi it's things that we have now that we can actually implement yeah that's where it starts like you started ideas that you don't necessarily have the means to apply right now but um i feel like he's in the right area now like Mm. in the right degree yeah that's where you learn how to do shit yeah we don't know shit until we learn how to do shit and then we do shit Oh wow, it's been an hour and twenty minutes. My good, look at us. Look at us. Talking. I do have a very full bladder at the moment, so okay. I think this is actually a good place to end. Yeah, on Griffin being highly intelligent, highly intelligent, and we mere mortals knowing nothing. Griffin also probably knows nothing, but in a specific field, he knows a lot. So, in conclusion, do psychedelics. <laughs> in conclusion, <laughs> don't be a doist to other people. If even if they are being a doist to you, um, be open-minded. And yeah, accept that you know nothing and try and learn something along the way. Exactly. And in the wise words of Tani Aleta Francine de Kok, Goed, genoeg groet. Stie groet of Tani, lekker braai. Goodbye. Goodbye. And on that bombshell, I need to stop stealing Julia Clarkson's line, but okay. Yeah. 
Shane, thank you for chatting me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for bringing your entire studio to my room. Oh, of course. Uh, that was no trouble. I said <laughs> it was a bit difficult, but that's beside the point. But yeah, Shane, thanks for chatting to me and uh, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you at the next free weekend. Cheers. Bye.